WDBM East Lansing. Welcome to Impact Exposure. Exposure is 88.9 The Impact's one-hour forum discussing relevant issues affecting the MSU community. And now, tonight's Exposure. This is the Impact Exposure. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, my name is Wes, and uh, I've got a full show lined up for you tonight on this cold, cold evening. Uh, I'm glad you could join us. Uh, in a little bit, we'll be speaking with some folks from uh, Community, the uh, uh, diversity group in the uh, within the School of uh, Communication Arts and Sciences. Uh, a little bit later on, we'll be speaking with uh, uh, some folks about World AIDS Day, as well as uh, some uh, representatives from the Ruhala Performing Arts Center about a show they've got going on for the holidays, and then uh, wrapping it all up with uh, a chat with some folks from uh, Peace Over Prejudice at MSU. They're uh, sponsored by the Muslim Students Association. But uh, before we get to any of that, we're sitting down with uh, a couple of folks from uh, Amplific. Amplific? Am I still, I'm still saying it wrong, aren't I? It's, uh, it's Amplifix. Amplifix. I don't know. I keep, I keep having a hard time with that. But uh, I was sitting down with uh, Nikhil and Niana. I want to thank you guys for joining us. So uh, go ahead and give us an idea about what, what that's all about. So essentially, Amplifix is a print magazine that's launching in January um, of 2008. We have... Um, uh, somewhat of a staff lined up right now in terms of graphic designers and co-editors and chiefs and then like also staff writers and um, copy editors, but we're looking to expand. Um, Amplifex is essentially a uh, print publication that's also um, doubles as a community organization. So we are a registered student organization with MSU, but we're also a community organization um, that prints monthly um, on soy ink and 100% you know recycled paper from a local printer. Um, but essentially, we're a print magazine that uh, focuses on issues of social justice, um, also things like environmental and eco- economic justice, um, and other areas of concern that you know the community has to like talk about or focus on. So, give us some, for example, uh, on this. So, is this uh, like the one that comes to mind for me immediately? Is like gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender issues? Is that in the ballpark, or definitely, we would definitely be working in solidarity with a lot of LGBT. Um, movements and also organizations in the community. So um, one of the one of the reasons why Amplifex was started is because there's lots of um, student organizations and also Lansing organizations um, that are working um, on different issues of social justice, including LGBT like solidarity issues. Um, but there's very little cross communication between them mm. in terms of like creating synergy or cooperation. And we wanted to create a medium or a print publication that would allow these voices to kind of come together and create more synergy and work together cooperatively uh, to be able to propel forward in their efforts. Mm. So yeah, LGBT issues would definitely be something that we would cover. And given um, the fact that you're printing with soy ink and all that, I'm assuming environmental issues are, are big too? Yes. Excellent. And uh, another aspect of the magazine that I think is really important, especially as the graphic designer, as a graphic designer, sorry, mm. <laughs> <laughs> to my fellow graphic designers, um, is that we kind of associate these social movements with artistic uh, movements as well. Mm. And a lot of these social justice movements are very influenced by the art, and uh, the art is influenced by them as well. And so in one sense, it's kind of the synergy of different groups in the community, but also these individuals who have a lot to say either through graphic design or through poetry or short fiction and things like that that can really become part of this important movement. So you're giving uh, sort of a venue for local artists to express themselves as well, is that right? Yeah, anything that's printable anyway. I mean, okay. you can't really accommodate <laughs> musicians in a newspaper but, or sure. a, a magazine, but yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So so why now? Well, I think that um, one of the reasons that the, the Amplifex was originally conceived of um, by my co-editor, Ashley, and I um, about 
a year ago, actually, in January of um, last year. And one of the reasons we decided to start it then was because we felt like there was um, certain like overwhelming trends of like conservatism and then also like backlash against minority issues and LGBT issues. I mean, Proposal 2 is just in one example mm -hmm. of that. Um, but in general, we felt like in addition to those trends, there was also very little um, space for these community groups, so either like LGBT like people or minority groups, to voice their concerns. So there wasn't really a respectable medium that was available to people in Lansing or East Lansing that would like um, credibly augment or magnify their voices. And we wanted to provide that space for them, so we spent actually a lot of time just researching um, our target audience to see whether or not there was even a need for such a publication. And uh, we felt like this would be a good time to launch. But we actually spent um, close to a year trying to just research it and set up the groundwork for it um, to come up with like strategy and ideology for the magazine and the organization. Mm -hmm. um, we've spent quite a significant amount of time trying to ensure that the structure of the organization is as non-hierarchical and as horizontally integrated as possible. Mm. So, um, for example, everybody on staff has titles that are working titles because people have different duties that they're expected to um, perform, but there are, um, all the titles are overlapping, everybody helps each other out, mm -hmm. and um, we try to not enforce the rules and like have titles as much as possible. Sure. So you mentioned all, all the research that went into this. We're, I, I'm assuming this involved interviews with different student groups around, around the, the community, essentially? Yeah, actually, my co-editor Ashley was responsible for doing a bulk of that um, research in mm -hmm. terms of like um, interviewing people in the community. We did try to reach out to a lot of people in LCC and um, also the Lansing community and identify like avenues for um, you know finding people that would be helpful and or like interested in contributing to our publication. So, so what sort of feedback were you getting from them? Like, what what were some of the things that they that you heard from a lot of different groups that they were looking for? Mm -hmm. I think that one of the things that we heard. Um, almost unanimously across like all the different groups that we contacted um, was that there was definitely a um, pretty strong social justice movement in the East Lansing community. There's like groups all over campus that are working very um, strongly with trying to like create change in terms of like either environmental change or like LGBT change. So like Peace Over Prejudice is just one example of a group, but there's ECO, there's you know SEJ, just within the MSU community mm -hmm. there's like tons of um, student organizations that are working to do stuff. Um, but they didn't, I don't think that they felt like they had a print publication that they could turn to to uh, see all of their ideas and their work like come together in like a cohesive manner. Um, it wasn't, there wasn't really like a rhetorical um, clearinghouse for such um, work, I think. So it, it seemed almost like a lot of these organizations were doing really good work, but they were doing it in a disjointed, like um, divergent way, either divergent or tangential. So they were working to do all this like you know, activism or like social justice, trying to create awareness and education around issues that they were passionate about, but there wasn't enough synergy. And I think one of the main um, ways to create that synergy is to have a, um, you know, a medium that would be able to like bring those voices together. So that's what Amplifex is hoping to do. Excellent. So, so what do you see as the major role of the of the magazine? Is it a way to promote events, or is it a way to promote the groups themselves, or is it news, or what's what's the major role here? Um, well, again, I think the major goal is to promote social justice in a, in a vague way. So if we think about more pragmatic ways that that can happen, um, one thing that we're going to do that's very symbolic of this kind of solidarity is we'll have a, an event calendar that will people, groups or individuals or 
things like that can tell us what events they're holding that are relevant to social justice or that are relevant to the community. And we'll just have a calendar for the following month that's just a conglomeration of all those things. And so it's very symbolic in the sense that before this, there was no really clear place to go to find that, um, to find where all these different events were going on and how we can get in touch with these different groups that are, have similar mindsets. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but that's just one thing. And also we're going to be working with things like there will be journalistic articles that will just be talking about things that are going on in the community, or it could be even addressing national or international issues, just um, whatever basically the community is interested in is what we're going to be printing. Mm -hmm. So that's the goal. So we, we were talking before the, the show began about when you guys were going to print. That's in, in January, I believe you said? Yeah. So, uh, you know, looking ahead, what um, what sort of issues are you, <clears throat> excuse me, or what sort of issues are you looking to to take on for your, your first issue? I mean, what, what's some of the, the big stuff? Well, um, it's hard to kind of predict that because mm -hmm. we're, we're really – focusing pretty hard on this idea of what the, whatever the community is interested in. So we're trying to avoid kind of um, establishing themes for issues before they come out. Okay. You know, as we get submissions and as we kind of see the trends in those, then we can interpret those. But mm -hmm. um, we're really kind of discouraging this idea of saying, okay, this issue is about environmental justice oh, okay. and, you know, the Lansing community and only please send us only articles about that. You know, we're, we're trying to really, we're discouraging that idea. We're trying to avoid doing that just so we can make sure we're really representing what the community wants to see and hear. So are you looking to have uh, regular staffers, uh, you know, the, the same folks writing each, uh, each issue, or are you looking to get community submissions? What's the, what's the, the plan for that? We are hoping to have um, the bulk of the submissions be generated by the community. Mm. So um, although we will have like staff writers on board that will be like either responsible for covering timely events, we're hoping to like be only, um, I mean that should be only responsible for like 20% of each issue I'd say at the most. Mm. Um, and part of the reason for that is just that we want to create a magazine that's heavily responsive to the needs of the community. So we don't want to like assign stories to our staff writers um, and have them cover it and then run those in our publication that and find that they're not necessarily representative of the needs of the community. So. Right. Now, uh, getting back to the sort of the groups that are involved, uh, I know you mentioned uh, ECOs involved, or, or at least is, is expressed interest. Uh, what other what other groups uh, have been expressing interest in, in the magazine? Um, well, right now we've got uh, North Star, which is actually a um, a group based out of Lansing, and then also it's it's also a community space. Um, oh. um, they've been helping out quite a bit in terms of like hosting our flyers and trying to um, do some solidarity work with us. But um, we're also trying to generate more support from more student organizations at MSU and also LCC right now. And also in a broader sense, we're funded by this organization called Campus Progress, which is a derivative of the Center for American Progress that focuses on college campuses and university campuses. Mm -hmm. And um, they fund a lot of university publications, and they're funding us. So um, this creates a lot of solidarity with other Campus Progress organizations, and we can actually print their articles and things like that. So are they involved with other campus uh, group, uh, campuses across Michigan, or is this more of a national thing? It's a national thing. Okay. Um, there are there's one other publication uh, at MSU that's funded by them. So I see. Um, actually, uh, apparently your mic is not uh, working very well. If I could ask you to scoot on over here. Sorry about that. Uh, my engineer just uh, let me know about that. Hopefully, we can hear you a little better now. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure Kevin will give us the, the thumbs up on that uh, if, if that's the case. But uh, <laughs> anyway, moving along. Um, so now you mentioned Proposal 2 uh, a little bit ago. Was, would you say that that was uh, 
sort of a, a, a prime mover for something like this, or was that just one of many things that, that kind of spurred you on to, to, to undertake something like this? I think it was a prime mover. I think that um, me and my co-editor, or my co-editor and I, um, were, were particularly set back by that policy that was passed, and so um, we felt like there was a need, um, especially in Michigan. I mean, there's obviously other, like, political and economic issues as well that, you know, need to be addressed, but in general, I think that the time is pretty ripe for um, having a medium that discusses, like, issues of social justice or cultural um, commentary and critique. Excellent. I think a lot of the problem with these kind of combating these conservatism or combating these certain issues that we have problems with is just ambivalence in the individuality because it's really hard to find people that are like-minded. I don't know, somehow this just seems to be a very big challenge for the individual um, social justice advocate is finding people that agree with you or finding people that um, have a similar understanding of the world. And I think this is going to be a good way to uh, combine people that mm-hmm. have that. Idea. Well, it seemed to me with any kind of political or social movement, it's always important to get that networking mm-hmm. angle down. And it sounds like this is, that's basically your, 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 your biggest goal here, right. really. Yeah, we definitely are trying to uh, encourage as much coalition building as possible. Um, and so not just, you know, in terms of between organizations, but also between like individual persons mm-hmm. um, that are like looking for ways to get involved. Well, we're just about out of time, but uh, before we go, of course, I want to let people know about the uh, the meeting you guys have going on. Uh, now, that's uh, tomorrow night, isn't it? Yeah, it's tomorrow night at 7 o'clock in 48 Agriculture Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, so there will be lots and lots of food there, and uh, we're going to be showing some short films. So, um, yeah, I guess it's a great, uh, great opportunity to uh, get involved, I guess. And, of course, you're looking for folks to get involved with, with writing and, and mm-hmm. graphics, too, I'm guessing, as a graphic designer. Yeah, that everything. Help. Um, it doesn't, yeah, I mean, we want to be able to represent anything that people want to give us. Mm-hmm. So, so including, cool. like, photography and poetry, short fiction, research papers, whatever. And you don't have to be a journalism or English major Not or anything all. else to get involved. You don't even have to be a student. Yeah. Oh, hey, even better. <laughs> yeah. So anyone who's, uh, who lives in the Lansing or East Lansing communities mm-hmm. uh, more than welcome, huh? Absolutely. Very cool. So, again, that's uh, Wednesday, November 28th at 7 p.m. over in uh, room 48 of the Agriculture Hall. Uh, and, of course, your website, I'm going to go and spell it out because I keep butchering the name. <laughs> it's uh, amplifx.org. Again, amplifx.org. Uh, and it's, uh, let me try it one more time, Amplifix. Amplifix. Oh, Amplifix. Why am I so bad? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, again, thanks so much for coming on, guys, letting us know about that. Uh, we're going to take a short break in just a moment, and we'll be back then with more impact exposure in just a little bit. football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive, but what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. 
Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on The Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. We are back with more Impact Exposure. In case you just joined us, we are just speaking with folks uh, from Amplifix, the uh, uh, sort of a, a magazine slash uh, community organizing group. Uh, really kind of an interesting project that they're undertaking. Uh, in case you missed any of that, of course, all of our interviews are available on the Impact website at impact89fm.org by going to the uh, podcast link on the top of the page there. Uh, moving along, we're uh, speaking here with uh, William from uh, Community. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Now, uh, Community's got uh, a big event coming up uh, tomorrow night. Is that right? Yes, we do. Um, first off, I'm out just some like to um, talk about talk a little bit about a, talk a little bit about what Community is. Sure. Um, community. Um, we were formerly known as Alana, but we changed our name this year. We're a um, media watchdog student organization at MSU that provides professional development opportunities and network oppor- networking opportunities to all um, com- com arts majors, regardless of race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, creed, or culture. Mm-hmm. And um, our, our event tomorrow is called Who's Watching Whom? Media Mayhem. Um, a lot um, there, um, the media has to cover a lot of different events, and there are a lot of events that affect um, minorities and or and minorities in terms of race, culture, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And um sometimes media the media doesn't always cover these cover these cover these events um fully and or and or accurately. Or with the utmost tact, I think. Right, correct. <laughs> so uh tomorrow we'll be um basically basically um talking about um different events and uh and how they were covered, Every, everything from the um, Gina Six to uh, Megan Williams, the young woman in, in West Virginia who was uh, beaten and raped mm. by um, six people. Um, and it was the, the Don Imus uh, Don story, Imus, of course, is, is a, <laughs> still kind of a fresh one. Yeah, and I mean, like it happened a while ago, but but the but the ramifications are still fresh from it. Right, right. And um, immigration, uh, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, um, Asian. Asian invisibility, just a lot of issues are really um, prevalent out there. So we want to uh, touch on all of them. So you mentioned Asian invisibility, and I saw this kind of on your on the event uh, that I got, invitation that I got, of course, on Facebook. Uh, now, Asian in, in, uh, invisibility—that's uh, one that I'm not as familiar with. What what is that topic all about? Well, um, a- honestly, mm-hmm. Asian invisibility is is a subject of Asians are, are sometimes um, typecast in different roles, and 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 their roles in different things aren't always aren't always um, put out there, like in turn um, on the way that other races are. Oh, okay, so so they get sort of pigeonholed in. Correct. in is, are you do you mean more like in film and TV, or is this news, or just kind of everything that the media is all about? Just kind of everything. Really. Okay. And now, what, so what makes the, the Asian invisibility sort of unique? I mean, of course, other races have issues of, of being pigeonholed. Is, is there something unique to, to the Asian-American community? Um, I think that sometimes other races can be covered in the aspect of that race specifically. Mm-hmm. Like, um, for example, um, there can be a black issue that, that gets more 
that gets more um, coverage because it's black and and um, racism um, has a sort of it's maybe a little more connotation or, with yeah. black people. Yeah. And and as far as um, Asians go, the, um, they aren't covered as much in terms of um, what they've what they've had to like um, stand up against mm-hmm. in our nation. I see. Yeah, that's and I think just the fact that. That it's a sort of an issue you don't hear as much about. I think that kind of lends right. lends a lot of meaning to why it's it's important to talk about it. Exactly. Um, so we, you know, uh, some of the other things that, of course, you, you mentioned. Uh, you know, of course, I, I mentioned the Don Imus thing. You mentioned the Genus Six. Um, is is there kind of a an overall theme that you'll be working with? Uh, yeah, like a, you know, w- with with these particular issues that you're bringing up, or is it just kind of let's let's just look at what the problems are in the media in general? Well, the theme is basically a covering. Um, is actually covering the actual, the actual topics and how and like how they are covered. Mm. Um, f- for example, uh, Megan Williams, um, the young woman who was in, who was in West Virginia, who was um, raped and beaten by four whites. Mm-hmm. I mean, by six whites, rather. Um, initially, that event didn't get a lot of a, a lot of coverage. Period. When, if you look at it uh, from a news standpoint, it has like all of the actual. All of the facets that would that like make a news story, sure. um, like it evokes emotion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very serious crime. It, it's a serious yeah. crime. Someone was beaten and raped. Mm-hmm. So I mean, but it, it, it didn't didn't get a lot didn't get a lot of coverage initially, or like with the with the um, Gina Six, um, a lot of the events started happening like about like about a year ago, mm-hmm. but yet we're just now. I mean, like right. just now getting. Um, Getting them coverage over it. Yeah, I mean the only thing I the only thing I really heard months. about it was was from the protests. I didn't actually hear about the event itself exactly. or the incident. Excuse me, the incident itself. And yeah, I mean it was a lot of the protests, a lot of the sort of the response to it rather than the actual incident itself. So, right. Yeah, and and now, but sort of what just to get your take on it. Why do you think that is? What uh, is there a theme to the? To, you mentioned Megan Williams and of course the Genus Six. These are both is- issues that involve race. What what is it in your opinion that's preventing these issues from getting out in the first place? I mean, we're kind of hearing about more of the response than the actual problem itself. Why do you think that is? Well, um, it's sort of hard for me to really um to really pinpoint. Um, sometimes it can be an issue of um of editors not thinking that certain things are important. Mm. Sometimes it can be an issue of um, an issue of um, corporate ownership. Of different, of different, um, of different media, media, media outlets, and the whole, the whole issue of uh, media outlets having to um, sometimes abide by their corporate ownership. Sure. Yeah, because I, I know there have been claims about uh, uh, you know sort of the mega corporations owning multiple you know media outlets, and then diver- you know diversity doesn't really come through in that case. There's there's too many corporate interests involved, and yeah. That, so is that? Would you, would you say that that sort of plays into the reason? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, that plays into it, and also, I mean, honestly, and sometimes it's. I mean, diversity in the newsrooms is a big issue as well, because mm-hmm. if you look at just for the sake of just for the sake of example, if you look at a newsroom that has maybe um, eight reporters. And like a one is black. Mm-hmm. If there's a black issue and the editors are white, then the um, then the issue may not hit may not hit the um, editors as hard as it would. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, like toward like um, toward like I'm somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's not saying that uh, that's not saying that all editors are just like are just like oblivious 
to what's going on. Mm -hmm. But um, but a lack of diversity in newsrooms definitely definitely amass to the as to the um, detriment in terms of the the um, diversity of coverage. Certainly, I mean I, I, that makes a lot of sense. You know, having more of a personal connection to a story, you're going to want to follow that through more. And yeah, certainly, I don't think I don't believe there's any kind of malice in right. that. But yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, you know, of course, we're just kind of skimming the the surface of all the stuff you guys are going to be talking about tomorrow night. Uh, not a whole lot of time left to to cover everything, but uh, just to, to reiterate to anyone who's listening, of course, the the event sponsored by Community uh, called Who's Watching Whom Media Mayhem, uh, discussing all the issues of, of race and and any kind of marginalization and just you know all the sort of the the, the problems with with media and what can be done about them really is that is that safe to say? Yeah, yeah, all pretty right. much. <laughs> um, um, the actual event is um tomorrow, mm-hmm. November um twenty eighth, uh, seven thirty p.m. in the Deeb Conference Room, which is room one ninety one in the um in the um in the Com Arts Building. Right, Michigan that's that State. when you first come into right off the parking lot, uh, right on your left hand side there. Right. Excellent. Of course, I had a class in there today, so no, pretty it. familiar <laughs> with that one. But uh, and of course, you guys have a great Facebook group. That's how I knew about it in the first place, yep. and the reason you guys are here too. So uh, definitely worth worth joining and learning all about. So uh, William, thanks so much for uh, for stopping by and letting us know. Well, thanks for having me. Certainly. Okay, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with more Impact Exposure in just a moment. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a gang member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles... Inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, The Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, and we are back with more Impact Exposure. We're just speaking with William from Community about uh, a great event they've got coming up tomorrow. Who's watching whom? Media Mayhem. In case you missed any of that, of course, uh, our uh, interviews are all available on our website at impact89fm.org. Uh, change, switching gears now, uh, we're speaking with uh, Christian and Peter here from the uh, Lansing Area AIDS Network to talk about uh, World AIDS Day. Uh, thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you for having us. Well, yes, certainly. thank you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, go ahead and give us an idea about what World AIDS Day is. World AIDS Day is, uh, is a time that we stop as an entire world community and recognize the uh, the impact of the AIDS pandemic worldwide. Uh, worldwide, about 42 million people are infected with HIV. Uh, overall, every minute of every day, um, a child under the age of 15 dies of an AIDS-related illness. Mm. And in every 15 seconds, somebody between the ages of 15 and 24 is infected. So the AIDS pandemic is, is very far-reaching. Uh, this is the 20th anniversary of the first celebration of World AIDS Day. So we have made some progress over the last 20 years, but there is still a lot of work to be done. So we take this moment just to kind of come together as a global community, you know, just as human beings, not segregated along any sort of race, class, gender, orientation lines, just to recognize that AIDS is something that's impacting us as a humankind. Hmm. Absolutely. And of course, uh, you know, a lot of the focus gets paid on, on Africa. There's a, it's, a, it's a much more serious 
uh, pandemic there than, than elsewhere in the world. Uh, but uh, really, I, I think that's an important point to make, that it does affect the world. Absolutely. You know, and, and every little bit you can do, of course, you know, Lansing Area AIDS Network uh, doing their, their part here as well. Uh, what exactly is the, the Lansing Area AIDS Network doing for World AIDS Day? Well, we're holding a community observance program at 11 o'clock a.m. on Saturday, December 1st, which is being held at the Hannah Community Center, just right here off of campus. Uh, we have a number of different speakers that are coming out, some local speakers. The theme for this year's uh, World AIDS Day is leadership, take the lead. So we have different community leaders coming out. Those individuals that are either infected or affected by HIV and AIDS are coming out to share their stories to how they've taken leadership roles in the fight against AIDS. So we're really hoping to encourage some more people to kind of really come out and take leadership roles. Uh, we need community leadership as well as political leadership. This is this is something that uh, all of the advances that have been made in the fight against AIDS have come from grassroots community organizations, from friends helping friends. So we're reissuing that call for people to come out and take the lead. Mm -hmm. Then uh, Kristen is with Real, which is actually a student group here on campus, radiating excellence in all areas of life. She has, uh, her and her team have put together a wonderful fashion show benefit um, that will actually benefit the Lansing Area AIDS Network. So we're really excited about that. She's got some great models lined up. Excellent. Well, go ahead and go tell us a little bit about that. Uh, kind of a fashion show is sort of a unique take on, on the, the issue of AIDS. Right. What we're doing, actually, all week this week, we're having an AIDS Awareness Week on campus, just having students come out, be aware of what's going on in your community and in the world, as Peter was saying. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that affects us all, no matter who you are. So what we're doing is tomorrow we're having a discussion. It's called AIDS, HIV in our community, and that's in Case Hall at 8 p.m. And then Thursday, what we're doing is we're teaming with Olin Health Center, and we're doing a candlelight vigil at the Rock. And Starbucks will come out and donate um, some hot chocolate, cappuccino, things like that. And it's just to take a moment of silence and understand that, you know, this is something deeper than just one person. Saturday, after they have their um, observance program, we're having a fashion show. And the purpose of that is to bring students out to do something that's of interest to us. Not everything has to be dull and boring, mm -hmm. but also in having this moment of fun, realizing that we're doing something for a greater cause. 30% um, of the proceeds are going to lawn, as Peter said, and it, it should be a really great night to come out. And that's also at the Hannah Community Center. That starts at 8 o'clock. So now, uh, so why, why a fashion show? You mentioned you know, it doesn't have to all be dull and boring. Is this, uh, where did this idea come from? Where it came from is if you look around on campus, there are usually two or three things that all students are into. They're mm -hmm. into their own personal sense of fashion. They're into music, and they're into what's going on in the media. Mm -hmm. And so we decided to make an event that would in include all three of those. Our models are students on campus who are devoted to making a change, and I really appreciate them. So that was one big thing. Fashion, we have great people like The Gap. They have a campaign going on right now called Do the Red Thing. Mm -hmm. So they're getting involved. Um, we're having Express for Men getting involved. Urban Behavior. Um, there, there's so many great groups that are getting involved. So this fashion show was a way for us to bring that sense of uniqueness that all students look for. If you look on campus, you get on the CATA, everybody has their own sense <laughs> oh, of style. <laughs> and, Especially um, if you take the number one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So we were thinking of a way to bring this out. Fashion show, you have great music, you have great people, and we're all there for the same cause. We'll have 
people out there like Abbott Labs who are working with Magic Johnson um, for a cure mm. for AIDS, HIV, um, if not a complete cure, at least to help people who are infected. There, It's not time to give up on them once they're infected. We, we want to keep them around. These are people's brothers, their sisters, their sons and daughters. So I think that's just the main thing that we're trying to get through during this week. Um, AIDS and HIV are sometimes treated as, you know, a stamp like, it's it's over when right. it's not over these people still have something to contribute mm-hmm. um to to our world community as peter was saying so that's why we chose the fashion show of course girls love to get on the runway <laughs> and get beautiful so that was a bonus certainly, certainly. <laughs> i think it's a, a great point you mentioned too that these aren't just you know these aren't just people these are brothers and sisters and right. I mean, these are people that that we're connected to and i mean of course getting back to peter's point earlier as well that this is a a world issue that you know everybody's connected by this and right. uh you know you're right it's not just the end of of, of somebody it's it's actually a way to to sort of take stock, I think, and, right. and, and reevaluate. And too. during the fashion show, we will have a wonderful speaker coming out, Miss um, Haw, and she will give like a personal account, um, just talk. And it's just amazing to to meet someone who deals with this every day in their own life. But instead of you know going home, holding themselves up, they're trying to make a change in everyone else's life. And I think that just shows um, the strength that you can still have. Oftentimes we treat AIDS and HIV as if it's a taboo subject. Mm-hmm. Don't talk about it. Sweep it under the rug. But when there are millions of people dying, you can't sweep it under the rug right. and you can't act as if you're untouchable mm-hmm. because you're not. And if this is something that we bring out, we talk about it, we make it something real, then we can come up with a real solution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was certainly the you know the, the response that a lot of folks took in the early eighties when this came out, this, you know, sweep it under the rug, let's not talk about it. It's you know, it's 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 them, it's not us. Right. But I think you're right. I think that you know, that, that sort of approach isn't the way to go. I think that kind of makes it worse. As right. And something that's not known is up until the mid-90s, Africa wasn't the most infected um, country oh. or continent with AIDS. America was. Really? North America. The U.S. Oh, wow. was highly infected. And we, we still are. So I think when we, you look at the real numbers, the real hard numbers, it's shocking because we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. But I, I guarantee you, um, that there's someone that you know that if they're not infected, they're affected, affected right. like Peter said. So this is just something that we need to talk about. We need to make it a real goal, a real mission. Um, there is no magical cure for AIDS or HIV. Magic Johnson doesn't have a magic cure. Right. He's just decided that there's something that he's going to do. He's going to deal with it, and mm-hmm. we need to do that. Well, that's also. a really interesting statistic you mentioned just a moment ago about the U.S. formerly. Right. The, the most affected or infected affected uh, you know uh, place in, in, in the globe and now Africa of course is unfortunately taking that slot um, what, what do you think has, is this is for both of you really has, has made that turnaround is it that Africa has, has gotten worse is it that America has gotten better what's what 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 do you see as the reason I see to a lot of extent in the early 80s as HIV AIDS was becoming on the scene there were leadership roles that were taken here in the United States there were grassroots organizations that were formed and unfortunately 
I don't think that Africa has yet reached that point, which just reiterates the fact that the theme that we have this year of calling for worldwide leadership to fight this. There was, I believe that given the, the economic standing of the United States, we were able to mobilize more resources quickly to combat it. We were able to, we had small community-based organizations, friends reaching out to friends. And I don't think that, unfortunately, Africa had that resource to mobilize. So we became... We became the leaders in combating HIV and AIDS, you know, and, and we've had many wonderful medical advances over the last couple of years. And unfortunately, I think that's lulled us into a false sense of security. Yes. I think that to some extent, people agree. really believe that, you know, with the advent of all the different drugs that are out there to manage HIV, that it's no longer an issue, mm-hmm. that it's something that that's simply not, it's just a non-issue nowadays, you know, oh, it's, oh, if I get that, I can just go down and take a pill and it'll be over. Mm-hmm. So I think that we've really been lulled into a sense of false security here in the United States. And I think that also has to do a lot with why we're not doing more outreach to continents like Africa. You know, we we realize that they're absolutely slammed with this illness, but Mm -hmm. I don't think that that we're reaching out because we think it's something that's simply solved. You know, we've been lulled into that false sense of complacency. Mm -hmm. So the theme for World AIDS Day this year is is just to counteract that, to call for leadership and let people know that we need to do that. Well, now, do you do you happen to think that? I mean, you mentioned about you know people just think that oh, you just take a pill for it. Is it something? Is it moved to a, a position of living with it? We or? have moved to a position very much more nowadays. Mm-hmm. Have we moved to a position of living with AIDS rather than in the early '80s, like Kristen mentioned, that it was viewed as a death sentence? You know, well, let's pack up, give you some hospice care services, and you know, help you write your will. It's very much different in in today's day and age. You know, the idea of somebody being infected with HIV at age 25, 30, and then living to 50, 60, 70, 80 was completely unknown, and mm-hmm. that's what we're seeing nowadays. We're seeing that people are living much longer and much stronger. And they are making very valuable contributions, like Kristen said. Uh, It behooves us. I believe it it necessitates us to be able to provide these people with the support that they need to continue to make whatever contribution that they can make. There are wonderful people that are active out there in the community that, despite their HIV infection or affection, are taking wonderful leadership roles and are organizing things like the fashion show. They're organizing things like the World AIDS Day observance. You know, there was a great committee of people from all from the entire community that came together to put together the program that we have on Saturday, uh, Olin took you know another leadership role in, in getting out that health education to mm-hmm. students here. So there are many people out there that are taking leadership roles. I just don't. I think there's more that can be done, and I think that we've been lulled into a false sense of security, which somehow takes that responsibility off of each of us as an individual. You know, we can say that our politicians need to do something, that our government needs to do something, that you know the uh, the World Health Fund needs to do something. But until we each individually take personal responsibility for the ramifications of this epidemic, no serious change will be made on a global scale. Mm-hmm. And this is just one day. That we can come together and recognize this, you know, as a world. It's not, you know, it's not a gay issue on World AIDS Day. It's not a white issue. It's not a black issue. You know, it's not a straight issue. It is, it is a humankind issue that mm-hmm. comes back. Yeah, I think anything of this scale definitely, you know, is, is definitely worth looking at as a human, a world issue. Absolutely. Uh, we are uh, just about out of time with you folks, unfortunately. But uh, go ahead and uh, let us know, just real quick, in case anyone's just joined us, when to be and where to get involved. 
The uh, program, the World AIDS Day Observance Program, is at 11 a.m. on this Saturday, December 1st, and that's held at the Hanna Community Center. Uh, just shortly after that, there will be a demonstration march that will be on Grand River Avenue, just in front of the MSU campus here, a march against stigma silence. And um, stigma silence, and I'm forgetting the other one. But stigma and silence, we'll go with that. Uh, and then later in the evening, Kristen and her group, Real, will be holding a fashion show. And that begins, doors open at? Doors open at 7.30. The show will begin at 8 p.m., and that's at the Hannah Community Center also. Excellent. Well, now, of course, uh, uh, LAN has its own website, of course, L-A-A-N-Online.org. I was hoping we're getting that right. Yes. Okay, cool. And is there a website for Real or a Facebook group? Is there a way folks we can get involved? We do have a Facebook group. Um, you can look us up. That's R-E-A-A-L. And we definitely have information on Facebook for that. Fantastic. Well, I wish you guys the best of luck with everything. And uh, uh, thanks so much for coming by. If there's anything else you guys have in the future, be sure to let us know, because I think this is a really important issue. I'm glad we could uh, talk about it today. Thanks Thanks for having us. us. Certainly. We're going to take a short break here with Impact Exposure, and we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. Attention shoppers, if anyone is missing a rather plump set of love handles, please come to the customer service counter and claim them. The ample love handles were lost in the produce department where their former owner had purchased fruits and veggies to munch on during the big game. Thank you and have a good day. Small step number 81, snack on fruits and veggies. It's just one of the many small steps you can take to get healthy. Learn more at www.smallstep.gov. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Saturday nights from 8 p.m. until 2 a.m., tune into the cultural vibe to hear the best in both local and national hip-hop, plus live mixing on the ones and twos. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. And we are back with more Exposure. We were just speaking with Christian and Peter about uh, all the activities they've got set up for uh, World AIDS Day. Of course, if you missed any of that, uh, more info is available on our website. Uh, checking out the podcast uh, at impact89fm.org or uh, more, more info is available from them by visiting their website at laanonline.org or by calling 517-394-3560. Of course, now we're going to switch gears and we have uh, Selena Ruhala on the phone from the uh, Ruhala Performing Arts Center. Selena, thanks so much for, so much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So now go ahead and uh, give us an idea of what you've got in store for the holidays. Well, we have a fantastic, fun, and exciting show. Um, Sunny Wilkinson from MSU is going to bring her vocal jazz ensemble, and she's going to come over to our studio, and we're going to have a fun holiday concert with her group and uh, two of our groups, our vocal ensemble and our musical theater ensemble, singing uh, fun, fun songs from Broadway shows, and uh, Sunny will be singing with her jazz ensemble. Excellent. So this is called uh, Sunny Jazz and Broadway Cheer. Is that the name of this? Yes, it is. Excellent. Now, uh, for those who aren't familiar, uh, who, who is Sunny Wilkinson? Sunny Wilkinson is an excellent vocalist, a jazz vocalist. She's actually from California, and uh, she came out here, I'm not sure how long ago, but she's uh, an assistant professor over at Michigan State University um, of the Vocal Jazz uh, department over there, and she is someone not to be missed. She has this um, 
this voice of it's it's a little bit indescribable. It's very smooth. It's it's really the epitome of jazz. So it's, mm. it's really something not to be missed. It's definitely quite a quite a thing to say about someone's jazz voice that they're the epitome of jazz. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess you would say. Um, you know, you think of the real smooth jazz singers, and she's really up there, you know, with with them. And sort of that Ella Fitzgerald style is what I'm picturing in my head. Yeah, it's really, it's yeah, it's so smooth, and it makes you just wanna. It makes you feel good. So that's, that's definitely what you want in a holiday show. Definitely. Uh, now, the 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 songs that you'll be performing. Uh, now, are these from holiday themed shows, or is it just just kind of a way to celebrate the holidays in general? It's just a way to celebrate the holidays in general. There will be a few holiday songs, um, such as uh, We Need a Little Christmas, and um, a really fun one will be the Charlie Brown Christmas. Oh, medley. yes, one of my favorites. Uh, <laughs> that'll be a lot of fun. And then the, the other songs that will be performed are just some, some really great classic show tunes, such as All That Jazz from Chicago, and uh, There's No Business Like Show Business, um, a great tune that everybody should know on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a lot of fun, and then also some more contemporary Broadway tunes uh, from Dreamgirls, which just recently made it as a big hit uh, in the movie format mm-hmm. musical, um, and uh, some other more contemporary pieces from Jason Robert Brown. Um, some of the youngsters out there probably know him. He's a pretty well-known up-and-coming. Uh, musical theater composer. Oh, so he's actually not up and coming. He's it's, he's pretty well established. He's just a little bit less uh, less well known. Certainly, a little more recent, yeah. maybe than uh, than Chicago or uh, yes, or, you know, <laughs> some of those. Very cool. Now, uh, is this something you've done in previous years? Is this kind of the, the first try of uh, something like this? This is a brand new thing that we're doing with Sunny this year. Um, our our group at the Rahala Center, we've been here for three years, and we've been doing performances over those three years. Um, but this year is the first time we're privi- privileged to be able to work with um, another performer in the community, such as Sunny. Um, Mark met with her back in the fall, and they came up with this idea, and I think it's it's really a good fit for us. So. Yeah. So now, what what have you done in previous years around this time? Is was it was it holiday themed as well, or was it just something different? Uh, typically, at this time of year, um, in, at our school, we have our training program, so we're really in the heart of doing the nitty gritty, doing the training of the the vocal, the dance, and the acting work. So all the students are in here; they're in the ensembles, and they're they're working on the technique of of those of the musical theater genre. So by this, you know, at this point in the year, um, in the previous years, we're not actually working towards shows, which is an actually a very exciting part of this year. This has been very different. We've actually been performing all throughout the fall. We performed over at the Oktoberfest in Old Town, Lansing, um, and we've been performing at, at different little venues around the community. So that's been a lot of fun for our performers this year. So now, you, uh, of course, you're from the Ruhala Performing Arts Center. What what sets the Ruhala Performing Arts Center apart from other uh, sort of art centers? Uh, you know, different uh, uh, you know musical theater centric uh, outlets around the area. Um, I think what sets us apart is that we really offer professional caliber training for young students who who have a, a dream or a goal that maybe someday they want to actually get to Broadway. Um, and we provide 
a school where if they do have that dream, they could start with us at the age of five or six and train with train with us all the way up till they're teenagers and be ready to go and you know step foot in New York City and audition and try to build a career for themselves or be very very well prepared to audition for a college if they wanted to continue and further their studies and actually go to a college program for the arts. Um, so I think that's that's a, that's the biggest thing that would set us apart. So is this is this school. mostly uh, high school students, high school age students in, in the performing arts center, or do you get folks from all different ages? We have all different ages. We start at preschoolers at three and four years old in a wonderful, fun, creative movement class where it's not about Broadway at all. It's just about um, the kids getting to use their imaginations and dance and sing and and just have a great time. And then our classes gradually build up um, through the the young teenagers up to the teen adults. And the teen adult programs or the programs are, are ensemble programs where they're really training and uh, they all perform at least once throughout the year. So they're really getting, you know, they're not only training to do what they love to do, they're actually getting to get on stage and, and do what they love to do. Hmm. So what is, what is some of the appeal of the ensemble for the performers? Uh, the appeal is is that, is what I just said, that um, they not only sit in the classroom and, and, and dance every day and work on their technique and, and sing and work on their technique and act and work on their technique, they actually then, in the springtime, get to put their work out there and we get they get to perform in a show. So our acting ensemble performs in a play um, that we start working on in the winter and our vocal and our musical theater ensembles, they, they perform in a show. So the kids really, they really love that because not only do they get the training that they need, they actually get to put the training into practice and get in front of audiences and have the experience of the feedback from the audience and what it's like to be on stage, what it's like to, uh, you know, have a live audience there and maybe make a mistake and what do you do to, to cover that up in a live theater setting. That's exciting. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, that's the most exhilarating part of any kind of live performance is what can go wrong. And if you, do, exactly. if you don't do anything wrong, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, that's great. Now, go ahead and, in case anyone's just joined us, go ahead and let them know about uh, how, they can, uh, how they can check out Sunny Jazz and uh, Broadway Cheer. Okay. Um, you can check us out. Um, the show is on December 8th at mm-hmm. 8 p.m. It's a Saturday evening. It's over here at the Rohalla Performing Arts Center at 1846 Hazlitt Road in East Lansing. And uh, to uh, purchase tickets, you can call 337-0464, or you can also get more information at our website, which is ruhalacenter.com. And that's R-U-H-A-A, excuse me, R-U-H-A-L-A, excuse me, uh, center.com. That's Uh, right. uh, Selena, thanks so much for uh, for coming by and telling us all about that. Well, thank you for having me. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to take a short break here, and we'll be back with more Impact Exposure in just a moment. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9 The Impact. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. 
Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Prime where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sitter Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to Exposure on 88.9, The Impact. Phone lines are open at 432-3893. And now, back to Exposure. All right, and we are back with our last segment of the evening here on Impact Exposure. Of course, all of our previous interviews and segments are available on our website, impact89fm.org. And just by clicking on the uh, podcast link, you can check out all of what we've been talking about tonight. Definitely a, a jam-packed show. And, uh, of course, uh, our, our final segment for the evening, I'm sitting down with uh, Netta and Moisa from uh, Peace Over Prejudice, MSU. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having us. Well, certainly. So I'll go ahead and give folks an idea about what Peace Over Prejudice is. Um, Peace Over Prejudice is a campaign that we feel like um, started at the right moment at MSU because um, a, a group of students were feeling that the atmosphere and the climate at MSU was becoming um, very tense. Uh, there were different... Um, the climate uh, was basically um, trying to divide mm. people. Um, um, you know, we can say like there were um, speakers coming in on campus uh, talking about hateful ideology, racist ideology, and um, I guess at this point, um, what happened was like a group of us uh, just got together to talk about putting on a campaign that would be university-wide and would involve all individuals. And um, whether it's students, faculty, staff, um, administration, and everybody to come together. And um, I guess what we decided was uh, what we want to do with this campaign is um, through unity, education, action, um, we want to strive for a better MSU community where mutual understanding and acceptance overcome any sentiments of prejudice, hostility held between individuals who differ from one another. So now, pragmatically speaking, is that through like promotion of, of different cultures, or how how do you hope to kind of bring that that feeling of unity more? How do you, how do you hope to strengthen it rather at MSU? Right. Well, just to um, emphasize again, like the basic purpose of, of the campaign, you know, is just to bring together all sorts of different people who might um, come from very different backgrounds, but can agree on the fundamental basis that um, you know we really believe in trying to understand each other and overcome our differences rather than um, you know see them as an excuse for. Um, for um, being hostile towards one another. So, um, and the campaign is really, we're hoping to, um, it will be driven by a broad coalition of different organizations. But um, I do want to emphasize that it's not specifically kind of like a minority student group thing. And we really do believe that everyone um, on campus and beyond can benefit from striving towards promoting just a more inclusive um, and understanding community on campus. And so just to, again, emphasize like the three objectives that we're trying to um, do this by is, you know, unity, education, and being proactive. So um, bringing people together who might not ordinarily work together um, in order to understand one another, but also um, take that and move beyond to um, students who aren't like directly involved with the campaign um, and, you know, trying to educate all of us on understanding one another, um, partially in terms of, you know, say cultural differences, but also um, uh, just all sorts of different um, 
different ways in which people can try to be prejudiced towards one another, mm-hmm. you know, just working beyond the, that mm-hmm. and trying to really just push towards understanding and then being proactive finally um, and, and moving on that understanding that we have of one another and trying to implement just this basic principle in our everyday life. Mm-hmm. So. Now, I know, uh, I know the, the campaign is, is, is sponsored in, in part by the Muslim Students Association. Are there other groups that are getting involved with this as well? We, um, our first event, which was the kickoff, which was held on November 20, uh, November 12th, oh, we had a representation from um, about 28 groups. Mm-hmm. And um, even before that, when we were just planning, um, planning the first event and um, just talking about uh, getting this campaign um, on, just getting this campaign started, we, we did have a whole bunch of other groups that, um, that, uh, that came and helped us out. Uh, so there was CIUS, the Coalition of Indian Undergraduate Students. Uh, Jewish Student Union has been really helpful. Um, Alliance, um, A Paso, and um, there are a lot of other um, offices that have been involved as well. I know Office of International S- Students and Scholars has shown a lot of interest, and they've sent representatives to our meetings. Um, Office of um, Office of Student Services has helped us out a lot. Mm. Um, the Office of Intercultural Initiatives has helped us a lot too. So um, that's the other thing that we ra- really want to stress is that this does not belong to one group. It's not sponsored by one group. Mm-hmm. It is, like I said, um, and because we want it to be a campus-wide initiative, it has to be supported by a huge um, a huge range of groups. By the whole campus, basically. Basically, yeah. right. Yeah. So, um, and not, like Nanda said, not just minority groups, because that is a question that was brought up a couple times. So this isn't aimed at uh, minority groups at all. It's for, um, like you said, the whole campus. Right. And, and it sounds like you're getting a lot of, uh, like, university support as well as, you know, uh, student groups themselves. Right. And even beyond that, um, it's been really encouraging that even in these early stages, we've, al- we've also received a lot of support and encouragement from um, community organizations who um, mm-hmm. hear about the idea and, and are really interested in it. And even um, different, like, uh, friends that we have on different university campuses, we've been telling um, them about this idea, and, and they, they say, wow, you know, maybe we can do something like that here. So we really, um, you know, it's been really encouraging that although this thing is so young, like, we've um, already received immense amount of support. So Now we had another group on earlier, uh, kind of take taking on the same issue as well. Uh, and so one thing I asked them was what what sort of what was sort of the prime mover for this particular campaign? We mentioned earlier, of course, some of the, the speakers that have come to campus as of late. Was was that what sort of spurred this on or was it something else or what's it the was, reasoning behind it? It was definitely like a culmination of different things. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it was just that the whole climate on campus was becoming very tense. So um, I don't know if you could say it was just one event or a couple of events. It's just that it's been going on for some time, and it, it just kind of surprises to see that there wasn't anything already like this um, that would, you know, that would uh, try to unite campus. Um, and I mean, it is—it's definitely a huge thing to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, we—we've got a huge campus, but the thing is, it's very, very important as well. Like we said, you know, uh, these feelings of um, like racism and prejudice—they um, exist, and we know that they exist on on our campus too. And the thing is, it—it it was all just—it um, was—I think it was just starting to become too big. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, um, we just decided that the best way to um, be able to. Um, be able to get our voices out as well is to unite. So now, what? What uh, kind of my last question to you before we go? We're just about out of time. But uh, what? What sort of? Uh, 
what sort of practical ways are you hoping to to implement this campaign? Are there uh, rallies or or I mean, what what do you what do you have what are you thinking about doing? Well, kind of moving on, um, again, those three like objectives I mentioned of unity, education, and action. Um, for example, uh, tomorrow evening there's actually a meeting. Um, one of the uh, ideas that was brought up, because during our kickoff event we did a lot of brainstorming on how we can implement this idea you know, and put it um, into practice. So um, one of the ideas that came up was kind of having a sort of awareness week. And so um, tomorrow evening there's a planning meeting for something that's tentatively going to be called the Stop Hate Week um, for sometime next semester. And so um, holding initiatives like that is just one example. Um, just other ideas that were mentioned um, during the brainstorming were things like, um, you know, like cultural like food days and um, community service projects because I think those really serve to um, unite people, you know, bring people together for like a greater purpose. And I think that's what that's really what we're all about. So. And um, just to add to that, uh, I guess our first event that was a major pop event was the kickoff, which uh, where we invited basically as many student groups and different offices and just we just invited everybody. Hmm. Um, and that was our first event. And the main purpose uh, for that was to get our word out uh, to network with people and just come up with different ideas. So um, and then that Wednesday, uh, MSA uh, with pop sponsored a, um, uh, a lecture event on Islamophobia and anti-Semitism, where we had um, the we had Professor Walser come in, and we had uh, Dowd Weed from Care Michigan come in. So, you know, two speakers on two different things who came together to talk about um, this r- religious prejudice that exists. And I guess, um, in answer to your question, the way we want to um, move this campaign is that each individual um, group that joins the campaign, um, we want to encourage them to uh, to incorporate that into mm. into their own events. Um, so, for example, the Jewish Student Union has taken initiative for the Stop Hate Week. Uh, MSA did a program, the Islamofascism and Islamophobia and anti-Semitism. Mm. Um, and we're hoping that other groups, you know, can try to involve this into their um, right. Yearly schedule. Yeah, we're kind of hoping that maybe people make a commitment to make like one big event, you know, that can be tailored to suit to their specific audiences, but at the same time um, work towards promoting this um, like overarching message of promoting peace over prejudice. Excellent. Well, we are uh, over time, unfortunately, but uh, thanks so much, you guys, for coming in. I really appreciate you coming by. Let us know all about uh, the peace got uh, peace over prejudice campaign. Excuse me. Uh, So as I mentioned, we are out of time here on the Impact Exposure. But uh, thanks so much for joining us. We're going to turn things over now to uh, the Progressive Torch and Twang, one of the best shows we've got here on the Impact. And of course, if you missed any of our show, all the pod, all the interviews are available by podcast on impact89fm.org. Uh, switching over to the uh, Progressive Torch and Twang now. Thanks again, guys, for listening, and I'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to this evening's Exposure, only on 88.9 The Impact.